0: Hello everyone, my name is Adam
1: and I'm Bailey
0: and welcome to the Cinema podcast where we talk about the latest movie and TV news rumors and releases to keep your eyes on
1: and please feel free to reach out to us through email with any comments questions or ideas that you have for our show you can reach us at ABCinema.pod at gmail.com and you can also reach out to us through Twitter
0: at abcinemapodcast. so Bailey and I are recording this on Saturday um the Oscars will have happened yesterday. We will have no idea who the winners are. Um, And we plan to have a more prolonged and in-depth discussion on the Oscars on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. But we did feel like maybe this is a good time to talk about how we feel like the Oscars have kind of fallen to this area of irrelevancy where it's not as big a deal as it used to be. And I think Bailey and I had talked in, You know, we had said, I remember being younger and the Oscars was like, you know, the Super Bowl for movies. Everybody would watch. We always cared about who won. It was like a national thing. If like we all felt like this movie should have won and it didn't win. It just like I feel like it was more ingrained in our culture. And now we feel like it's very much on the outskirts. Uh, Bailey, would you care to expound?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons why. Um, the Oscars have become a little irrelevant. And one of the biggest things is streaming. And um, a couple years ago, there was a lot of outcry from the Academy when uh, Netflix was trying to put films that they had made up for Best Picture. And the Academy felt like that wasn't fair because these movies did not have a theatrical release and they weren't considered cinematic quality. And so, um, yeah, that, that's one of the big things.
0: And even like to tack onto that, I remember reading and hearing about how like directors like Steven Spielberg and big people in Hollywood basically just said, we can't let Netflix win the Oscar for Best Picture because it will be a bad thing for movie theaters and the movie industry. So I felt like, you know, it was this very like anti, it was almost like a, a protest against these streaming services
1: the ironic thing about that adam is that steven spielberg has directed product or not products projects for apple tv and he had a contract sure with
0: netflix now
1: yeah he yeah he's got a big deal with netflix and so there's it's funny that all these big big name directors are starting to realize like this is also the future of cinema and maybe we do include this in in the oscars because it's a new avenue of storytelling it's completely different from what we're used to but we also need to adapt. And I think that really creates a unique perspective on the Oscars and gives us a little bit more of an idea of what they're aiming for with the future of, of movies and cinema and TV. Um, but there's there's also some other things that have influenced um, the Oscars. I think awards shows are, are not as popular as they used to be. And I think it's because the lack of accessibility, because most people are now on streaming and like this, the Oscars, you couldn't stream the Oscars anywhere except for on live TV. And this, this has kind of become an issue because we don't, it feels, I guess we're, we're, we're the culture that has FOMO and so Uh, Maybe it's the fear of missing out like I'll be watching the Twitter feed for the Oscars on Sunday or yesterday. I watched it yesterday. Sorry, like we said, this is pre-recorded. So um,
0: we we know about the Oscars from Saturday. Okay,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but like I'll be watching I'll be listening to the Twitter feed and and seeing who the pick or who the best winners are and. Like, I feel like there, there's just the irrelevancy is that it's a lack of accessibility, too.
0: And, you know, I think something else that you said was that, like, some of these movies are hard to watch, but they're also not very, like, mainstream, you know? Like, the biggest movie of last year was probably Spider-Man No Way Home, and I think it's nominated for one Oscar for visual effects. And I feel like the discussion that's to be had is, are they, do they need to include movies? that are more popular or do they need to reserve this? I'm not going to say like this, like exclusivity that is, you know, what prestige movies are in Hollywood. Like, I feel like, you know, it does it need to be a compromise. Like, do the Oscars need to be something that everyone agrees with? You know, like, cause I feel like it's very easy to, you know, talk about like, you know, shows that are on Hulu, like very popular shows, you know, whatever, like whatever it might be that appeals to, or gets a giant, like for example, Tiger King, remember when that was super big on Netflix and everyone watched it, it was like a social media sensation, but like, does that mean that it was like the best thing on TV that year? And that's the question because, you know, it very well could have been, and I'm, you know, no respect on the Tiger King, um, But, like, I feel like that's the thing about the Oscars is that you look at the list of movies and there's maybe two or three that you're like, I've heard of that movie. And there's a handful of other movies that are either less accessible to the general audience via the format, the release, or just the subject matter. And even then, like, just the way that they're filmed. Like I watched, I was talking the other day about how the Batman looks different than, you know, Marvel films and such. But even then, like some films are just made differently. Like they're slower, they're more calculated in what they do. And I feel like to some degree, we've lost that aspect of like being able to sit through a movie without feeling like the movie needs to constantly entertain us. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I the other day, Adam, you and I had a conversation about like what movie is going to be talked about five, ten years from now. Yeah. And I honestly I think that's how the Academy should be looking at this, but they're not. They're looking I feel like they kind of look at the Oscars as like a we we make better movies than than these big blockbusters and so we can't have Spider-Man No Way Home or Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings or whatever Mm. Whatever movie comes out that's bigger like a big with the audiences like it, it makes me feel it For me, it makes me feel like I don't really care about the Oscars because I feel like they're just trying to pick an indie film Just to be
0: hipsters. I feel like the Oscars are trying to recognize things that push the art form forward you know like They just like that, like make changes or take artistic risks, but they work. And I feel like, you know, and maybe not every year there's one movie that it's like, whoa, this came along and changed the game because it's, it's just not. And sometimes it's hard, but like, if I think about, I've seen a lot of movies this year and I will not, I will not say, you know, no disrespect on any of the other Oscar candidates, but like, I feel like when I watched Dune and IMAX, there were certain times I was just taken out of my seat, not because not because of the story. The like, score
1: lifted you out of the seat?
0: Yeah, the score lifted me out of my seat, but also just being immersed in the visuals, like the editing, the visuals, the cinematography of that movie, and like the way they cut things together. I just felt like it was just almost transcendent to a degree because I cannot remember the last time I saw a film that looked like and made me feel like movies could do what Dune did. And I'm not saying that, like, and again, I love No Way Home, which is not nominated for Best Picture, but, like, it was very nostalgic. Everybody loved it. It was the highest-grossing movie this year. Coda was super, you know, emotional, and Power of the Dog is super challenging and tough. Um, but, like, I feel like what Dune did for me as a movie watcher was just, like, movies can do so much more if we if we allow them to, you know?
1: Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that. Like, if we're talking about, like, which films made the biggest impact on on cinema or made the biggest took the biggest risks and actually worked like a lot of these movies that are on here don't qualify in that like I'd say dune does because that one challenged sci-fi big storytelling because it was only part of a book that was adapted into a movie um, as its first entry into its own franchise and then the power of the dog was, you could say it's a twist on a Western, um, and that, that was an interesting take that on a Western film. I don't necessarily think it really qualifies as a Western, but it it definitely took that risk. And for some people, it worked, and for others, it didn't. Um, Sam Elliott, it didn't work for him, but but for a lot of other people, it did. Um, and I, I, don't know, like, don't look up. That was another one that took a big risk, but that's also just how Adam McKay directs movies. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that movie really worked as far as what it was trying to do. Like it, it felt a little convoluted and all over the place with all of the different storylines. But if, if that's what this is, I feel like a lot of these movies that are up for best picture didn't really change cinema. Or the majority of the ten pictures that were nominated.
0: Yeah, and again, I feel like it goes back to like, what will we be moving? What will we be watching in five or ten years? What will like, well, what will have like affected? Not maybe not movie making, but affected the culture of the way we watch movies and things like that. And and I don't know. So we'll see. And even and just as a side note, they even have a most popular section. And in that movie, in that section for which is where fans can vote for what they want to win, is Spider-Man No Way Home, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, and a bunch of other movies. (laughs) The one on top, when they closed the voting, I think, or when they last made public voting, was Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. Which, Mm. you know what I mean? Like, How does that win the Oscar for most popular? Not Again, not saying that it's a bad movie or anything, but by far the biggest movie to come out this year was Spider-Man. I feel like that's just like, yeah, here I'm just gonna pass this over to you.
1: Honestly, it should just go to the highest-grossing movie of the year. Yeah, like that's that's how we tell which one is the most popular. Yeah, and it's harder to tell when when it comes to streaming, like with Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. But I can tell you, Spider-Man: No Way Home was way bigger than Army of the Dead. Yeah, it was a way better film than Army of the Dead. And honestly, it was just the Snyder Bros coming out of their their uh, their parents' basements to. Tweet about Army of the Dead.
0: They got the Snyder Cut. They want the Oscar now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and they don't even get a real award. They just get recognition on Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, and I read another article or had seen an article about how they, you know, the Oscars are like a cinephile's dream and they're not even letting him have that dream anymore, you know? But. Yeah. So I feel like that's the discussion to be had. Like, it's rough we'll talk more about the Oscars on Wednesday and our reactions and such, but those are just some preliminary thoughts to get you started and get thinking about it. Something else me and Bailey want to talk about at the top of this discussion here was man. Oh man. I loved this Friday that just happened. I loved last Friday. I loved the new episode of severance. I loved the premiere of Atlanta and halo came out. I didn't watch that one, but Bailey did. But like, and it, broke the paramount plus streaming record for um streams in a single day or something but you know those three came out and so i just want to get some quick reactions about them we won't talk about them for very long or spoil them or if we do we'll warn you but bailey why don't we start with you severance on friday dude can we just start with
1: worst to (laughs) last or worst to best let's just go with halo first all right all right start with halo halo was it was good to me, it felt like the Mandalorian with the plot that they went with a little bit. It, it Just the way they were trying to present this show um, felt like the, the guardian protector trying to save this child. And I feel like that's kind of the direction they're going with it. I don't necessarily feel it. Um, I think it's going to be a good sci-fi show, but they shouldn't have called it Halo. Um, but that's, that's all my thoughts on it. I haven't played the games. Um, And so I'm not a fan of the franchise, but I'm I'm going to keep watching this just to see how it goes so I can give you guys my full thoughts on the series itself, the season. Um, It has been greenlit for a second season already, before it even premiered. And so we know that Paramount has big plans for Halo. Um, But we'll see where it goes. Uh, My initial reactions are this feels like a more mature version of the Mandalorian ripoff.
0: And you know what? Something, just as a side note, I'll make this brief. You said, you know, you haven't played the games or things like that. I was talking to Britain. I was talking to my wife. And we said, you know, when we look at movies like Dune, if you talk to Dan Evianu, who made the movie, he's said multiple times explicitly, the book was our Bible when we had a question about this or that or we had a question about, you know, whatever we always looked at the book and even Matt Reeves, who directed Batman has said multiple times, you know, well, we looked at the comics and which is why he wanted to make it a detective movie because Batman in the comics is known as the world's greatest detective aside, you know, from also being, you know, the Prince of Gotham, all of these things. And even the design for the new Joker um, spoiler, I'll throw that before, even the design for the new Joker is like based off of not just the comics but the inspiration for the comics you know like and so why would somebody who's going to make a tv show about a revered game not look at those things they said multiple times we tried to avoid the game we've had discussion but like why wouldn't you go back to these things and know what makes it special and that's uh, yeah anyways that's my only thought i haven't watched it i'll get around to it i'm sure but that's halo
1: yeah, Moving on, I'll talk a little bit about Severance. Severance was so mind-blowing. There's nothing better to describe this show other than mind-blowing. I'm going to say something of a bit of a, bit of a spoiler. Um, so like we've said previously in other episodes, Severance is about the workplace, um, a workplace environment. Uh, it's very dystopian. It has a very dystopian feel. It's directed by Ben Stiller, and this show is... Um, the characters in the show, the people that work in this place, they decide to go into a procedure to sever their work life from their outer life. And so they call them Innies and outies. Um, And their innies is the, the are the people that work at this company called Loomis. And their Audi know that they work at Loomis, but they don't they have no recollection of the memories of what happens at work and the, the innies have no recollection of what happens to their outies outside of work. And so it's a very unique plot, um, and I'd say it's probably one of the best things on TV right now, or this year, this year so far. Um, I mean, it's definitely beat Book of Boba Fett, <laughs> um, and we haven't had much else, but I would say Severance is probably my favorite show of the year so far.
0: I literally stood up With my mouth open, Bailey. This episode was mind-blowing.
1: We're going to talk a little bit about a a spoiler just because I want to hear Adam's thoughts and feel free to interact with us. So just bear with us. That picture that his his Audi sees, that Adam Scott's Audi sees of his wife and recognizing that it's the counselor
0: that works at Loomis. I got to say it's so weird to me because I didn't even think that I didn't know what his wife looked like until like the last five minutes of that episode. It like, yeah, I don't know why, but like, and I feel like that's such great TV, but like, I didn't even think about it. And then he's putting the picture back together and you're realizing we have no idea what this woman looked like.
1: Yeah. And there, there were no pictures that I could see in previous episodes in the background of in his apartment or his house. But it's definitely interesting because the plot of the story is that this, this guy's wife passed away several years earlier, or just prior to when he started working at Loomis, which is interesting because his wife is still alive and she's working at Loomis. And so I like I have a theory that maybe their outies are completely different people from their innies, and maybe they're like they're creating twins or something. I don't know. It's definitely an interesting plot. And I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I want him. There another big part of this is that they figured out how to turn on their any outside of work and how to turn on their Audi inside of work. I know that is really confusing. But I'm assuming that what's going to happen is they're going to turn on the main characters. Audi while he's at work and he's gonna see his wife and be like, "You're
0: not dead." And something else I really wanted to talk talk about really quickly is like, I think for the first time this series, it's we've kind of revolved around not just Adam Scott but um, but Helly, you know, and her character. I feel like the performances from everybody in this episode were like amazing. Like I felt like I was like, "Wow, this cast can do it if they want to."
1: Yeah. Um, and it stinks because I only remember Helly's name. I don't know anybody else's.
0: Yeah. Um, well, we have. Uh, I think his name is Dylan, right? And then yeah. John Turturro.
1: And then the the do a flip guy from Spider Man. Do- um. <laughs> and he's also in Shang Chi. Uh, the he can't drive the bus because the last time he did that, somebody yelled at him. Um, but he he is a re- he's done a really great job in this show too like this last episode was really stand out when he just lost it at that guy and that dance scene was so creepy dude but so funny it's just i it's so good yeah that was it, it made me feel eerie inside and then when the lights started to get more and more red and then seeing uh the do a flip guy tackle him oh my gosh and like telling, like finding out, like that they can, they can access their outer thoughts and memories, and how he he wants to know who his son is. It's just this intense moment where you're like, man, I want these guys to kill the the higher ups at this company. I want them to figure out how, like, what's going on. What is Loomis doing?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but something else I was gonna say is yeah. So Severance, go check it out if you haven't started watching it. And then something else that premiered on Friday, we got a two-episode season premiere of Atlanta. And I watched them Friday morning, and all day at work, all I wanted to do was go back and rewatch them. I Started watching Atlanta. I jumped on the Atlanta bandwagon late. At some point last year, I streamed the first two seasons that are on Hulu that are still there. And I I remember going through a phase and I thought, man, this is like, this is a great, phenomenal TV show. And the first two episodes came out on Friday. And I was just blown away because all I could think of is this is peak television. This is easily. Top five TV shows right now, probably top two. And fight me on it. I'll stand by it. It is phenomenal. It's just, there's no way to describe Atlanta. And I feel like that's what's, that's something so great about it. But then it's also just like darkly comical or just outright comical. It's just its own thing and its command of the medium is something to just be in awe, be awestruck of. I love it. I can't wait for more. And I'm glad that it's back. Yeah.
1: I haven't checked it out. I would like to, I've, I loved Donald Glover. I've, I've watched him since the community and I loved him in that. And his music is great. I want to watch this show. Um, I just have to f- find time to actually get a couple seasons out of this show and, and get caught up but it's won a lot of awards and it seems like it's going to keep on giving the audience what it desires which is just good quality television
0: yeah well keep watching atlanta is on is back on air so i'm stoked um is there anything else you want to talk about here Bailey, before we could jump on to the news real quick no, we have two. Well, real quick, we have two episodes left of
1: Severance, and so we'll have to we'll keep you guys updated on our thoughts on the next two episodes, and we'll give a re- a review of the overall season later on. But um, and we just we'll just we'll keep watching it. Um, moving on though, Morbius, ah, the train wreck of a vampire. Um, the April Fool's joke comes out this Friday, and it seems like the the jokes came early this year. Um, the director of Morbius had an interview on Twitter the other day, um, on Friday night, and he spoiled his own movie a week before it came out. And we're going to talk about the spoilers in a minute, but the, the thing that really bothers me about this is that they didn't even give the audience a chance to see it. And I feel like this is just a ploy for people to get There's their movie tickets because this movie, if you look at movie theaters around the country, there are so many seats available for this film. And I'm hoping that it's so bad that it's actually watchable. Like I I, like becomes a cult favorite. Like to me, the Venom movies are so bad that they're watchable to me. I they're funny. And they they make me laugh just because of how quirky and horrible they are. I hope this movie matches that, but I've heard it's the worst movie that Sony's ever made.
0: Yeah, I haven't even watched it. I, I will probably end up watching it, but I almost wish to some degree, and I hope I'm justified in this, so I need to go watch it and be informed about it, but I almost wish we could go watch it and walk out of there and then say, look, just don't go watch this movie. So that, that way Sony just passes them Spider-Man over to, to Marvel. But oh could catch some could catch some hate from that one, but yeah.
1: That definitely will not happen because Sony just has to throw another Spider-Man movie and it'll make $800 million and yeah. and they're good. And so like that's the hard thing. People love seeing Spider-Man that they can't separate that from the business aspect of it. And so, like, what I was saying is that people have a hard time separating the the desire for more Spider-Man movies from the the desire for Marvel to make more Spider-Man movies. Um, But we'll go into a little bit of the spoilers now. And, um... So the the biggest thing that came out of this interview is that Michael Keaton... We we already know that Michael Keaton's going to be in the film. Only the credit scenes, though. And they're very short scenes from what we've heard, and they don't make sense. Um, But essentially, the first post-credit scene is Michael Keaton uh, being transported from the Marvel Cinematic Universe into Venom's universe. Which, number one, that does not make sense because the... The spell that Doctor Strange cast it sent the villains that were from other universes back into their respective universes. Um, I hope that they explain this, but since it's a post credit scene, it probably won't. And, um, and then Michael Keaton flies over to Morbius in his new vulture suit, which he's made in Venom's universe because he's got resources already. And... He flies over to him and says he wants to kill Spider-Man. And thus starts the Sinister Six in the Venom verse. And I don't know what to think about this.
0: Yeah, I have no words. Let's just Yeah. Let's just, let's just wait until I see it on Friday. Yeah. Uh
1: other than that, Matt Smith is supposed to be the standout character. He's loving his role from what people are saying. And Jared Leto is Totally embodying Morbius, which totally fits his character as a human and outside of movies. But the bottom line is, this movie will most likely suck.
0: Sheesh. Well, that's our that's our Morbius news. Uh, it comes out on Friday. You can see it on Thursday if you get some early premiere tickets. Um, other than that, I believe the Lost City has dethroned the Batman. Am I right in this, Bailey?
1: Yeah, uh The Lost City is set to make 30 million this weekend and 18.7 million for the Batman. So this is pretty big because there were a couple movies between that haven't been able to take out the Batman. And um this is exciting. Like it's just showing that people are going to the movies, they're comfortable going there. Um, COVID's not really a huge issue with people going to the movies right now. Um, it's it's exciting. The movie was funny wasn't the best movie you can listen to our review on Friday's last Friday's episode. But, um, I think this movie does deserve a spotlight. It was really funny. It's not good, but it deserves to be seen.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I mean, it's fun. It's super great. I, you know, it's at some point the Batman had to pass a torch. It's better that it passes to the lost city than, you know, theoretically it passes it to Morbius, but I mean, I like it. Go check it out. It just came out. Um, if you had not had a chance to go see it, I would recommend it at least once. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that covers all of our topics today for the news. Uh, we we hope you guys are enjoying our show. We, we'd love any comments, questions, or feedback. Uh, like we said at the beginning, you can always email us or reach out to us through Twitter. And that covers everything for today.
0: Uh, but that should do it for today. We hope you all have a great day. And as always...
1: Keep watching movies.